Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am Brandon Pham, and with me, a special guest, Alex Silken. I got it. That's how you pronounce it. Yep. All right. Cool. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is the part of the podcast, Alex, where I kind of ask our guest, which is yourself, to talk about yourself a little bit, uh, a little preview of where you've been, where you are right now, where you're heading. Yeah, so I've been doing uh, professional game development for about 10 years. Um, uh, so I, I was I was going to USC to study uh, video game programming. Um, and uh, for uh, essentially what became a thesis project, we created this uh, virtual reality hardware software um, prototype uh, kind of like a math science experiment with a whole bunch of wires and bolting like headset and these motion controllers to a helmet, um, to bike a helmet. And, uh, eventually that, that was in 2012. And, uh, we started a company based on that and built a few rounds of, um, increasingly sophisticated prototypes. But when, um, the VR consumer market became mature enough to have actual platforms to sell on, we've, uh, created our, games and um, essentially started focusing on just delivering games to uh, consumers. Uh, we also did a bunch of like location-based entertainment for a bit, um, but that um, slowly uh, kind of shut down uh, right before COVID, which is, I guess, good timing because COVID definitely, you know, kind of killed that industry for a bit. <laughs> but we're finally on the other side and uh, yeah, we've released a whole bunch of games and now we're focused on uh, IP licenses ever since our uh, like really big uh, hit with Creed, uh, Rise to Glory, which is a boxing game based on um, the movie. And um, now we're the latest game that we're working on. Uh, we've announced it. We haven't really shown uh, much of it. Um, it's based on uh, Aliens movies. Uh, so it's a, kind of like a sci-fi horror game. Um, uh, I guess uh, sort of a spiritual, well, I think that's a setting a lofty goal, but we are spiritually uh, inspired, I guess, by um, the alien isolation game. So we're hoping to create a compelling uh, virtual reality focused uh, follow up to the game. Yeah, for the listeners out there, I think the 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 life cycle of the VR landscape, I, I feel like anybody who puts on a VR gets it. I feel if anything, all 
first person shooters should be VR based, right? That's just my personal opinion on things. Uh, like in, in terms of the technology, it's impressive and it's fun. Um, you know, I, when I play Half-Life Alex, it's like, yeah, this is how basically everything should be. And uh, if we were to just look at the last 10 years, I know we kind of connected on my last rent on the Roundtable News. And I kind of expressed my attitudes where I feel like, you know, the last 10 years has been like this huge incline of VR interest. COVID kind of kind of hampered it a bit, which is was a weird period because if anything, to me, that was like where VR should have been striking the hardest and where everyone was stuck at their computer with not a lot of choices to go outside and, and congregate and interact with live people. Um, and now it's kind of making, I feel, another push with, the recent announcement of the Apple product, right? So if you can, I, I, you being the developer in that space for a while, I would love to kind of just love to hear your general perspective of what's going on right now in this space. Is Apple making an impact? Is it something that, you know, is there another second, you know, surge of VR interest that that is happening and everybody should start paying attention as developers, as gamers, like what what is to be expected in the next five years with the VR AR space? Because it feels like it, that you know they're kind of synonymous now. The AR VR space, it's like one and the same, but not really, right? The technology is different, but now we're wearing these devices that should be able to do both. Is the expectation? Um, it's a lot of questions, but would love to kind of hear your response. I, yeah, I think. Um... Uh, I think consumers or people in general have very short attention spans. Um, they quickly forget about um, some exciting things to happen when they're clipped by other exciting news. Uh, and I'm very excited about the Vision Pro. Um, but I think, you know, just a few months ago, PSVR 2 came out. And I think that was actually a pretty big step for premium um, consumer uh, home virtual reality. Um, I mean, that's on one hand, like anyone who's been playing PC-based VR games, um, I think they'll find that in some ways uh, it's really just catching up. It's eclipsing in in many ways, but um, you know the index kind of set a really high bar for uh, the optics and the resolution, um, field of view of of the hardware. But with PSVR two, not only we're finally matching that, but we actually have. Um, gaze based tracking for the first time kind of available to a mass uh, mass market. And uh, I think they Sony has just done such a big push for immer immersion uh, across both uh, non-VR and virtual reality. So the haptics in the head, but also the adaptive triggers and the controllers uh, just provide, um, you know, such a, an additional um, kind of way of, you know, input output for, um, uh, for content to kind of keep maturing. Um, and, uh, you know, of course the PS, PS5 is a pretty powerful piece of, uh, machinery. So we'll be, you know, uh, of course, on one hand we have quest, which is just, uh, so much more approachable has mass market, but it is also kind of like a mobile based, um, headset, you know, and I'm excited the quest three is coming out. You know, the quest pro also has uh, better, uh, better processing. Uh, but in the end you can't really, um, you know, it's just the reality of like a dedicated uh, you know, big box that's rendering your game. So uh, I'm excited for, you know, the graphical fidelity that we're going to see from uh, PSVR, PSVR, you know, 
games like we already have Resident Evil uh, Village, uh, the VR port, but we also have uh, Resident Evil 4 uh, VR mode that was showcased. Um, and those really look next gen graphically. So I'm really excited about that. And of course, the Apple Vision Pro, now that's what everyone's talking about. Um, I think, um, you know, I went to Augmented World Expo like the week before that. And it was, it was kind of awkward because everyone was just waiting for next week, uh, like waiting for like these news that like this event was eclipsing it and, and hasn't even happened. Um, and, um, you know, I think uh, hardcore VR gamers might be a little bit confused by um, the Vision Pro um, kind of form, uh, form factor. I mean, there's no motion controllers like you can't. Uh, that's what I think a lot of uh, people who've been playing VR games are kind of focused on. Like, how how does this even make sense for um, you know the games and experiences that we've been used to? And um, um, and you know, and they didn't showcase a lot of gaming focus at uh, the you know at the announcement. Uh, they were actually focused a lot on just actually, it seems like traditional, almost like 2D screens projected in augmented space. But in some sense, like that is actually a much bigger market, right? Like the VR, uh, VR market is still somewhat niche. It's grown a lot. Um, I mean, with 20, the people really like to talk about the 20, 20 million headset, uh, Quest headsets out there, um, which is, and uh, I think as, as, as many as Xbox um, uh, Series S, Slash X. Uh, I might be misremembering the, the stat, but you can't really call VR niche because then you call the Xbox niche, which is not really true. <laughs> right, right. Um, so um, I think um, with the Vision Pro, it's there, but the, the, the Vision Pro, they're chasing a much bigger market, though. They can theoretically replace every single screen in your life, um, which I think is a much more ambitious goal. Uh, it's also, I think, in some ways, a little, bit, a little scary that one device from one single company can theoretically now, like, replace every single device and can now sit like right between the consumer and all the other content out there, all the other creators. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm wondering how that's going to work out. But on the other hand, you know, at least at least right now, I, they're not going to be able to deliver at least that niche of you know really, uh, I think um action-oriented you know vr experiences that require buttons and require finessy but on the other hand like as we've seen um you know with the mobile game market that um ios is really like propelled into the mainstream and kind of clips traditional gaming um you know i think you know it doesn't make sense to bet against apple and they're potentially creating kind of like a whole new whole new type of consumer, whole new type of, uh, kind of like, uh, experience, um, like, uh, that is potentially going to be really, really popular. Uh, and it's going to be much more approachable, um, that, you know, just to put on a headset and play some more, uh, experience some more casual kind of experiences that you can just, uh, you know, touch and look at. Um, so I'm definitely kind of excited <laughs> yeah. excited about that, but also kind of scared. <laughs> There, there definitely seems to be an, a net positive in, in terms of all the uh, all all the factors, right? I mean, we, we're talking if we talk about the console, right? And PSVR is definitely a huge component that I think because it lives within its own ecosystem that people are not as, which is weird because you know the original VR, the Oculus was 
kind of conceive for gamers, right? I, that was the niche market. That's how it grew. And that's how it basically essentially got acquired by, because that, that crowd was just really pushing it and it was just presenting a lot of potential. Right. Uh, and yeah. And at the quest right now is at 20 million uh, units sold. We're looking at PlayStation five. I, I think the last time I read it was like near to 40 million, like hardware potentially to sell PSVR two, two, right. The funny thing about PSVR games is that it's very focused and then they're very polished experience. And in a way, PlayStation, Sony, they kind of uh, are okay with like really investing in that space and, and not having to look towards like a return immediately, right? I, I feel like with the Quest and the PC market in, in particular, there's got to be uh, like a tremendous pressure on the developers to immediately look for profit or, or trying to drive sales immediately because they're kind of on their own. I'm not sure. And maybe you can comment on this, how meta is very supportive of that. Right. Um, but like the weird thing that I compliment Apple for, I kind of criticize meta for, right. Those are kind of like the big two right now for the market, even though Sony, again, it's weird. Sony's like this weird cousin that like, yeah, they count. But like in the grand scheme of things, when you at least when you talk to the referring to the tech space, no one's like putting PSVR in, in, in like, is this going to change the future? It's like, no, it's used for a bunch of gamers. Right. But PSVR is, is a, like a very strong contender for sure. Uh, and in terms of how it shapes the VR space, but how Apple is kind of going for what you're saying, I think you put it pretty in a very good way how it's trying to replace every screen. I didn't even think of it as that. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the computer screen, the TV screen, it's not just for phones, right? It's basically every screen that you interact with. That is a huge potential market. And we have to remember Apple single-handedly basically ushered in the smartphone era, right? I mean, there were other smartphones existing before, but nothing like pretty much after, <laughs> you know, it, there was a clear... Uh, there was a clear indication of where Apple came into the space because every phone started to kind of copy its design pretty immediately, right? And I see the same with Apple where, yeah, they're going for a bigger space and at the same complaint for the phone in terms of games is starting to apply for this Apple Vision Pro, right? It's like, well, where are the buttons? It's like, well, they single-handedly made a mobile market. And the last time I checked data, traditional gaming have actually or have always been just a small percentage of the whole gaming market, they actually shrunk the last year. Traditional gaming is shrinking uh, compared to the rest of the mobile market or casual gamers, basically, right? So that's something to be you know, <laughs> cautious about and shows how, how strong, uh, at least with younger generation, uh, basically uh, a whole market that was just born in the last 15 years is overtake have overtaken and sustaining and kind of cannibalizing, you know, the gaming market overall. So who's to say that Apple Vision Pro, you know, with this gestures base and let um, let's not forget that you can use a control. They just straight up use a Sony controller for a lot of the games to kind of make it uh, uh, cross platform. Uh, that Vision Pro is just going to create its own market again. You know the 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 Black Mirror 
market <laughs> of a video game interaction uh, that might be even more compelling than even the the casual mobile market, right? Uh, my my argument with Meta is that Meta, I feel, even though they showcase a lot of games on their side, sometimes, whenever I view Meta News, they always talk about their little virtual social space that mirrors a lot of like Nintendo World, right? And I was like, well, I don't think this is... Uh, to me, it doesn't feel like the, these are, are made by, not to disrespect the game developers that work there. It's just like, this is just very basic, you know? This is not, this is not even WoW-ish, you know? <laughs> it's like, we've made WoW 10 years ago. That, that looks and plays much better than this. And I feel it's a step backwards. And uh, thankfully, I feel with a competitive with a competitor like Apple I think Meta is taking notice and making something more compelling than that uh, in the following year or else they know they're going to get squashed Apple is such a force no one should underestimate their their ability to go into a space and basically recreate it re-envision from the ground up and, and market it better uh, than most people so I think, I guess, in conclusion, I'm kind of conflicted. I know that space is going to grow because I've, I've never seen anyone put on a VR set and walk away disappointed or going meh. It's like, oh my God, I get it, right? But like the steps of getting people into those things have been a barrier. And like you said before, with PC, you know, having a PC hardware that can run these type of games have been, you know, definitely niche, right? PlayStation definitely helps the quest you know having a standalone device is a step in the right direction but apple just makes that sexier <laughs> right uh, i mean they they pretty much bypass the whole weight thing and just like we're just gonna put metal on metal <laughs> polished look awesome because you want to look awesome and the demos i think it, it by far it was the best presentation I've ever seen for any types of VR device. They just know how to, they just know what the consumers want. And I'm as a gamer, I'm impressed by it, even though they didn't show any games, right? So if you were to look, and it seems like obviously you're super excited. The pandemic was kind of weird because it focus on other technologies, right? I thought it was a period that VR and AR would actually get a boost, but instead blockchain or NFT and all these stupid things kind of distract everybody, right? And then died <laughs> coincidentally right after <laughs> COVID was over. Uh, when you were in the thick of the developing VR uh, applications and games, uh, what were you thinking in those two year period? It was like, what, what is going on? Like, I, I feel like that distraction was not just uh, by the consumer, but I'm sure investors or publishers were putting VR in the backseat a bit, right? Just like, Hey, hey, this is, you know, the hot new stuff is this one right here. What was that period like? If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, honestly, COVID was like uh, three years of living in like upside down like world where everything that you thought would happen like didn't happen or happen in reverse and time kind of like stood still. So it was just like a very confusing moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, in the beginning, there was like a lot of issues with the supply side, supply chains. You know, I'm very impressed that PS5 and Xbox Series S and X, S, S and X, basically, as far as I remember, shipped like on time. And Quest 2 also shipped, like didn't get delayed and actually released like at the end of 2020, as far as I remember. Uh, but that I think you have to thank the fact that, you know, the majority of the development happened, you know, before COVID actually started. Um, granted, you know, obviously all the factories shut down, you know, I imagine they were able to build up some stock. And afterwards, there were issues with, you know, actually, I mean, for like two years. I mean, I think this year was the first year finally you could like just get a PS5 on a whim. Yeah. Um, you know, Quest 2 was just like always out of stock as far as I remember. You know, Xbox and PS5 also like, you know, this giant resale market on eBay and, you know, Sony had their PlayStation Direct initiative to help people kind of like get around the scoppers and like get into like this like lottery system. Um, like I used, you know, I wanted a PS five for my birthday in I think 21 or was it 2020. I think it was 21. It was shipped in 2020. And I used five computers to get a PS five. Cause I just locked into the like PS five. Anybody, I even like used my girlfriend at the time. Like she like locked in her phone and I think she's the one who actually got it. Like, like that's how difficult it was to get hardware back then. Um, doing on listening, sorry, I cheated the system, but you know, I really wanted a PS5 for my birthday. And at least I wasn't like scalping it for like thousands of dollars. Of um, I actually ended up getting an Xbox for like twice the price from like Walmart because I was just like, screw it. I just don't want to jump through these hoops. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we we're a little bit concerned about, you know, uh, just the VR industry was already kind of constrained in terms of like how many people had these devices and now all of a sudden you had an additional like artificial barrier to people even getting the devices. So we actually started diversifying away from VR uh, in the last few years. And we released um, like one non-VR mode for like a puzzle uh, game called Puzzle Bobble, which on PS5 you could play it in non-VR. And then for uh, a big hit Creed, we released a, like a non-VR uh, port on PS4 and of course it runs PS5 and, you know, Xbox and uh, switch um, because we just weren't sure if um, the market, the VR market was just going to, you know, really die, but it kind of went the opposite, uh, you know, despite all the um, shortages of um, devices, they were still flying off the shelves and, you know, people were all kind of locked at home and um, they needed that escape and, you know, gaming, did really benefit from the pandemic from 
just like increased sales of people just sitting at home. There's like a lot of kind of new customers who decided to pick up game for the first time. There was existing people, existing customers who, you know, just had way more free time and free money on their hands. Um, so um, VR market actually kind of really grew over uh, COVID. Of course, so then it kind of led to this whole like mad dash to metaverse, which is kind of mixed with this whole like web three, like crypto based like movement. Um, so that, that muddied the water. Um, and, uh, and now like on the other side, like coming out, we're seeing again, PSVR2 did come out and, and that's growing the market on one end. Of course, it's that more hardcore market. You know, the quest is increasingly, you know, investing into the ecosystem. They're about, they've sold, you know, 20 million plus quest twos and quest threes coming out with a more AR focus. And of course, I think the vision pro is going to force a lot more people to, double down or re-enter the market. Like I think I've already seen like rumors of Google, like uh, potentially trying to do something again, because I think it, it, everyone is realizing that Apple can potentially replace, you know, every single screen in your life. So they're potentially going to cut out everyone. So you're not going to be like juggling like 10 different headsets. Like every time you want to switch a service or something, like you're going to be doing it through whatever set of goggles you have. Um, so so yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to Apple for, you know, pushing the like competition is always kind of good in the end for kind of pushing the industry forward. So uh, sort of like the space race or I guess the AR VR race um, or, or the metaverse race. Um, and um, you know, I think there's always been this excitement of VR, you know, AR XR, I guess is it called now, uh, as being like the next computing platform. Um, that dream has been kind of with us um, since the beginning. I mean, since all the like sci-fi movies of like Lawnmower and yep. uh, Lawnmower Man and, you know, The Matrix. Um, but it has been very much gaming focused. Like a lot of technologies in the end, like led by gaming first. It's, it's entertainment, it's fun. It pushes the hardware kind of, kind of to its limits. Um, and, you know, Facebook at the time, now they call themselves Meta, Meta you know, Zuckerberg. They bought Oculus really not just not for gaming, like they bought them for the future of computing. Right. Um, and, you know, just talking to various people who are at Meta, have worked at Meta, you know, there's always been this big push for how do we make quests, the computing platform of the future, you know, they've invested a lot into various like features, platform features, like all their, you know, plans were always from this angle and it has from, you know, talking to people there, it's there's been a lot of kind of friction um, and confusion because you know on, from the top you get this kind of messaging of like this is a computer like how do we put these productivity tools in there but then everyone like on the floor working and like looking at the numbers is realizing that the people who are buying these things and what they're using for is gaming right so and of course you can drive yourself towards the vision but on the other hand you can't. I think, you know, you don't want to probably alleviate, uh, you know, alienate your, uh, your golden, audience, the, yeah. your coordinates, you know, the duck that is slaying the, the golden eggs or whatever the expression is. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think, you know, there's always the element of like just being there too early. I think with the Apple vision pro potentially we're kind of getting there, but they're, 
you know, they're kind of like standard Apple uh, or, you know, they've done this with the iPhone, right? Like when they came out with a device that was like way more expensive, uh, way higher specs in order to create a much more polished user experience to maybe solve uh, the problems that are stopping this kind of medium from becoming mainstream, right? And I think, you know, Apple's innovation is not just the software, the hardware, the UX, but it's also kind of like financial innovation in the sense that they let you finance the thing, right? So I think it was like Steve Ballmer's kind of uh, really like age like milk quote of uh, saying yeah. that no one's going to want to buy an $800 phone, right? Because all the other phones are like three, four times, uh, you know, a quarter of the price. Um, and now Apple is coming out with a headset that is, you know, three times more expensive than the Quest Pro, which is kind of like Meta's highest spec um, headset that it came out with a $1,400 price and people were unhappy and said it was overpriced and they lowered the price to 1000 And honestly, like I use Quest Pro as my daily driver now. Like it's got amazing clear optics. Um, and I mean, I primarily use it for PC development. Um, and it's important. Like that's how we develop all our software in the end. It's all about iteration. Like you want to iterate on PC. Uh, so you're always going to need some kind of device that hooks into your computer, which I guess like the Vision Pro, that's probably going to hook into your computer. Like that's the other big question of like, does can you use Windows to develop for it? Because mm-hmm. if you go to use Macs, like most gaming studios just like have Windows PCs. Like I'm, I'm, there's a lot of like question marks of like how that, how that's going to work. Um, like, are they going to support OpenXR as the standard? Like, is it going to be easy or to, well, I mean, they're, you know, they're partnering obviously with Unity. So like, that's one way to like write once and target multiple, um, multiple devices. Although again, if like at the Unity level, you're still like using like the OpenXR plugin or the, or the, the uh, Oculus plugin, et cetera. So um, I'm wondering how that's going to work. Um, like how the ecosystem is going to grow because it's also going to, if, if a lot of the issues with the early VR development was how fractured was lack of standardization across the software and the hardware, you know, on the hardware side, like every single, every, every single manufacturer had such drastically different controller, um, controller, um, like button layout, um, just the type of buttons on there, the feature set, so that just like really makes your life as a developer, um, as a designer, as a, as a software engineer, trying to figure out how to properly maximize the user experience for that. And of course it's also bad for the consumer because like, it's already a very like kind of, uh, complicated, like new market for, uh, you know, tech savvy individuals, but now you have to like figure out like which device do you get, uh, when they're also different. And on top of that, like, which, you know, now we have exclusives, like which games run on which, and VR already has such, so much friction of putting it on. Now, you don't, you don't want to really juggle like multiple of these devices in your life. Right. Um, so, you know, I think um, basically, you know, I'm sure Apple is going to come out with some financing. They're going to sell allegedly 500,000 of these in the first year. So it's not exactly going to eclipse Quest. You know, I think, you know, as Zuckerberg said, his, his viewpoint is like he's trying to make the most like mainstream, like affordable device. So we sort of have like, I don't know, like sort of like a Tesla versus like a Toyota, I guess, <laughs> situation. 
Um, I think, you know, in the end, there's a lot of Toyotas being sold and there's a lot of Teslas being sold. Um, so, but most people just have one. Yeah, I think there's obviously enough space for these two to kind of fight it out. I mean, look at how many consoles we have or traditional consoles that we have that that are still around, right? Um, even though Xbox is always in trouble. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that do, people do forget. There's a lot of quests out there. Um, 20 million copies. Uh, uh, 20 million units sold or more, right? Uh I got to ask, delve more into the, the metaverse thing. Yeah, metaverse is one of those things that got kind of thrown in the bag in the last, you know, the COVID years, right? As a developer, as a game developer, right, who are totally bought into the VR system, totally understand why people are buying these things, right? They want to play games, right, primarily. And then you see a company like Meta who are making these devices and every keynote is kind of centered around, like, working right <laughs> it's like how do i make zoom vr and it's like what are you talking about who who wants to work who wants to put on this to to work more right and uh i i feel like there's such a disconnect to the original vision to what they're trying to do and what they're trying to do is just not cool at all but they're trying to pawn it out i mean the confusion that you're speaking to internally i've friends there too shows at these showcases, it's like it's a confusing message of whether they want to be this productivity, which is very niche. It's even nichier than games, right? <laughs> productivity thing, uh, and or or they want to be uh, well. I mean, I think until not until Apple Vision showcased what they wanted, their uh, lifestyle. Right, their lifestyle hardware. It's like this is going to improve your life in in these ways, right? They're going to nail that. Their demo already shows that they get it. I, I, I just find Meta still confused on who they want to be. Right? I still think, obviously, they have a, a lead. And uh, it's a cheaper hardware compared to Apple Vision. They're going to enjoy this, you know, until eventually I either match, you know, Apple Vision catches up, right? Uh the metaverse, right? What, what, what were your thoughts about that? Like you're constantly watching these updates because you have to. You're like, I got to be on the cusp of technology. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> we're making way cooler stuff than this. What are they doing? So I want to understand from your perspective as a developer and on VR and, and game focus and seeing these type of things. And am I, am I misconstruing the feelings here where I'm the frustration of what's happening i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a long tangent uh <laughs> <laughs> okay um starting starting actually with something that's almost like uh uh completely left side but you mentioned like xbox struggle struggling uh like i have all the consoles um i've actually like this is my first xbox that i bought and surprisingly i ended up using it more than playstation like the game pass is like great yeah. you know great choice for consumers. Of course, they just announced today that they're raising the price. So, yeah. you know, it's the curse of all services come around with a low price, maybe try it out of the competition and then eventually, you know, raise the price exactly. back to what it was. And then all of a sudden you are, you're, you've turned to the dark side. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're the evil, <laughs> you're, you, yeah, the evil corporation that has replaced the previous evil corporation. But I think, um, you know, Microsoft also, I'm a huge fanboy. I, 
I, I, you know, I interned there like for two summers, had an amazing time, like growing as a software engineer and as a young person. And, you know, Microsoft has Xbox and it has, uh, you know, office. Right. And of course, like, uh, windows with whatever, it's like a giant corporation that is able to target to, uh, such a wide breadth of, you know, both like B2B and consumers. Um, and, you know, I think they have this Xbox brand that is like, has a very clear identity. Like, even if you go to like the Microsoft, uh, Redmond, um, HQ, like the Xbox buildings are like very different. It's like, feels like you're in a you know gaming company like they have statues of like as far as i remember it was like halo or gives war or something uh versus you know the corporate like more corporate atmosphere of like the office teams etc right so like with meta i think part of the issue is that they rebranded the entire company under this like meta umbrella which feels you know a little bit like aged like milk kind of situation because they yeah. rebranded to you know, metaverse, you know, that's what meta stands for. And like suddenly a few months later, just like the entire concept just became so burnt out and has like kind of negative, like taste and like, um, a lot of consumers like minds. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a, uh, like a, uh, like a ancient, it, it feels like this kind of like ironic tragedy, right? They were trying to escape from the Facebook branding because that also got really spoiled by all the scandals of like the election alleged, or I don't know, somewhat proved maybe like election interference, um, you know, whether real or not, like the damage was done to their brand. So they were trying to fix their brand, but going to meta and consulting on everything under that. And then, you know, they had this Oculus brand that they purchased that had a lot of existing kind of positive vibes from consumers and, you know, yeah. the, um, the association with virtual reality. Right. And they decided to, you know, kind of completely, uh, you know, phase that out in, in favor of just like having the quest brand. Right. And it was like also such a confusing transition with like them creating so many different accounts and trying to merge the accounts. And like, they still have like the, on the PC, they still have a Oculus client uh, with the Oculus logo. And some of the websites still say Oculus, but some of them just say quest. And I'm wondering how much that has actually like backfired or has caused some of these issues where they, instead of just like doing the Xbox route where they can keep this like gaming focused brand that people know is meta, but like, it's also Oculus. Of course, maybe it was confusing to be like meta quest Oculus, you know, in their mind. I, I don't know. Um, that said, you know, it's a Microsoft Xbox, um, you know, and actually, you know, you really probably shouldn't learn from Microsoft for naming things. Cause like, you know, their naming has been super confusing going from yeah. Xbox one to Sirius S and Sirius X. So I, I lost count. Yeah. You know, it's, it's difficult, like naming things, you know, like, you know, this is why we have chat GPT now. So hopefully you can just help have AI help you name things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so there's this the kind of dissonance of meta trying to do all these things and, you know, them rebranding as meta and having that somewhat confusing, like showcase where they, showed the future with through a bunch of like renderings of like Mark Zuckerberg being and doing fun things and virtual environments, but they're all as far as I understand, thing just like renders. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, you know, the problem, you know, you really want to be like 
right at the cusp of something when it's like a little bit early where like, you know, maybe like 30% of the people think it's the cool thing. And 70% of the people still think it's like kind of like science fiction or whatever. And then you, you, you were able to push the progress forward and become that, you know, make that main mainstream. Like you're a little bit, if you're like way too, uh, you know, early, then you're basically just trying writing science fiction, right? Like the technology is not there. The consumer desire is not there. Right. And it felt a little bit like that showcase was that because they were literally just showing like, like trying to inspire, um, you know, people watching of like, this is the future, but it's kind of confusing because normally showcases are like, this is the future, like next year. Like we have yeah. a trailer for a game that's coming out. <laughs> like yeah. you're going to be playing this game next year. Not like this is the future. Like we literally made a sci-fi movie to show you of like what the future in like five to 10, you know, years is going to be. Um, this is why we, we are renaming the company behind it. Um, I mean, I guess it's ballsy, but I think it's, a little bit um, too ambitious in some ways and maybe crumbled under its own ambition. Um, you know, I think, you know, I'm split because I am a futurist. I grew up like reading and watching science fiction. Like, you know, I've read Snow Crash, you know, which as far as I remember has coined the metaverse term. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, on the other hand, you know, kind of like a realist and like, with these desires of somehow connecting all these games together and having this like whole economy, like a lot of people were saying like, this is kind of doesn't seem like it makes sense from a design perspective or like, why do even every, why did, why does, what, what is the uh, intent? Like, what is the desire of connecting like multiple games together? Like, how does that, and maybe I'm misunderstanding what the vision is, but for me, it seems like there's no real benefit to each experience to try to like connect these economies together. Um, and maybe I'm just, you know, a little bit too old school in my way of thinking. You don't uh, have the vision, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Blackers <laughs> uh, on. Yeah. So much of it was just about, you know, it seemed like recreating these economies that we have in the real world, but in the digital world. But in my mind, it's like, like the real world sucks. Mm-hmm. Like we're basically recreating the issues that are plaguing the real world, which is like speculation and like overpriced assets. It's like, great. Like you're too poor to buy a, a house in real life. So we're going to make another set of like virtual real estate that you're also too poor to buy. Mm-hmm. Like what, <laughs> yeah. like, how does that, how does that actually make, like, I'm, you know, again, I have a very myopic view of like, I, like to make video games and I like to like bring joy to people. And like, I feel like the point of games is to like have fun. Of course, it's also a business. That's the problem. It's always being pulled of like, well, how do we actually like, you know, how do we, how do we take, you know, how do we charge players to play the game? And, you know, I guess it would be just to try to like get some kind of fair uh, exchange of like fun for money but then sometimes, you know, it feels like it's kind of predatory of like, let's just make some kind of like addicting system that will try to extract as much money out of the players, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, everyone got super excited by everyone having to be stuck at home, I guess. And uh, suddenly seeing such huge spikes of, you know, people working remote and playing at home and they thought that they could, they thought the world was never going to change again. Mm-hmm. You know, they thought the world could never change how it changed COVID. And they thought, Oh, well now there's no way it's going to change again. And it did. Well, people are saying going to the movies was dead. <laughs> was like, ah, dude, <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's just, it's just taking a breather right now, you know? Right. Uh, so, I mean, we have Roblox, right? So like 
Roblox is sort of a metaverse and we are seeing so many kids play that and they're going to keep growing up with that. And I think, again, just today, I think the news was that they announced that they're allowing 17 plus, um, like basically more mature experiences to be created on Roblox. Um, and, um, you know, so a lot of the confusion from metaverse is like this term just became so loaded. Like, what does it mean? You know, people read again, like snow crash, watch movies. They like see one thing versus like what we have now. And this whole concept of like web three, it's like the the web of the future, which on one hand can mean like spatial internet, kind of like, um, like AR, VR, like being able to like, sort of like go inside your websites or like, instead of going on a boring, like, maybe not boring, but pretty looking 2d website of like shoes and like scrolling through shoes. Like you could go inside of a virtual like shoe store and like put on a shoe in your avatar and see how they fit or whatever. Right. So that's, that's one exciting kind of like vision. And the other one is, well, you know, decentralization. Uh, so you're no longer dependent on like one single service and decentralization of currencies as well. So that, you know, maybe like some of the, like, don't tread on me folks, uh, probably like really excited about that. So like no longer, you know, be controlled by the, the government and have like free flow of currency um, and uh, kind of like virtual assets. And like these two things kind of like combined together in some ways. And, um, you know, and the concept of like connecting everything together, like it's not really clear how it's going to work. So like Roblox, is sort of creating like one set of interpretation for that where like, well, we just have one platform for creating experiences and you can quickly jump between any of these experiences because it's like, it's all our platform. So in, in some ways you could view it as like a web browser, right? But like, it's still, you know, you want to jump from like Roblox to like a um, Fortnite experience. Like that's, so basically now we have a world where like, Chrome goes to like one set of websites and like Microsoft edge goes to another set of websites. Like, how does that make sense? Yeah. There's, there's still, here's the thing with, all right, with metaverse, right. I'm glad you mentioned Roblox because the sneak attack is Roblox and what Epic is doing, right. Where they're buying all these like, uh, companies and game companies. They bought fall guys. They bought, um, Rocket League, right? They have Fortnite, right? They're they're building their metaverse over sneakily with, you know, a gamer focused mind, right? Because in reality, metaverse is is a game, right? Is a game that we own. I think the argument or the vision is conflicted right now because a lot of tech tech bros is taking a game concept and ignoring the game developers out of the equation. I I have so many friends at these companies who are dedicated game developers, very senior, whose opinion is usually outweighed by execs or people outside of the game development space, right? They're just making these decisions because they reference movies or books and then completely ignore like the last two decades of the game developers making these type of universes, <laughs> these ecosystems function right really well right growing communities and social interaction is part of the dna of mmo right of every genre that we have that we have distinguished and accomplished i mean you're talking about basically every game at blizzard <laughs> that have built this components of what makes a metaverse right and i just feel like and continuously being 
ignored. I mean, the, the minute that John Carmack wasn't a part of meta anymore, I was like, ah, <laughs> so it's like, that's the direction they're going. Uh, and it's, I think it's a huge mistake because you're ignoring a lot of experience there to create these world function, right? I always complain it and equate it to, uh, I mean, how many game companies have we been at where like you let designers kind of go wild, right? Because I think, you know, every game is a good balance of all disciplines. But, you know, designers, I think for a while and still, right, they they always champion the hub. It's like, oh, instead of a, instead of a menu <laughs> with options, what if it's a physical space that you can walk around and you can start the game and then you can go and change audio? It's like, why would I want that? Just go to the, let me play. The game. So I feel like we're kind of in this weird conversation again it's like oh isn't wouldn't it be cool we're in the hub you know we can try shoes on (laughs) it's like that is not cool at all (laughs) this why would i want to walk to a virtual store and then go through the physical you know uh stress of of putting things on and 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 like you know mime that it's like well there's nothing cool about that experience right i mean having an avatar spin around like Fortnite. And just throwing clothes on is good enough, you know. I just feel like the the uncool part about the UX basically experience for the user. App will have a better handle on things. They they put that in the front lines all the time. Like all their devices, all about the user experience, and it shares the same DNA as as game developers. It's about you know, the user experience from the beginning to end. And I feel like a lot of these tech companies don't understand that, right? And uh, I feel right now that is a crisis at Meta where nobody wants a Zoom VR. Like, who's asking? Like, I, every time I'm in a Zoom call, I'm counting the clock, to, you know, of when I can leave it. I mean, that is the, you know, and I'm sure Zoom people are are constantly combating this. They're like, yeah, people are using us because they have to. But the number one complaint is nobody likes being in a Zoom meeting. There's nothing fun about meetings, right? So, like, if I have to meet or work with you and, you know, all these demos showing like, yeah, you know, you look at these legless avatars that are your coworkers. Like, I don't want to see my coworkers. There's nothing about my coworkers I don't want to see. You know, can I shoot them? Right. Can I push them around like fall guys? Right. Can we race through obstacles? I mean, that's what I care about. I don't want to talk to you about like in front of whiteboard. So I, that, that, that misunderstanding of what VR and the potential of what makes VR great is completely thrown out the window, especially at Meta. I feel like, the, you know, they need to get their stuff together and, and just let the game developers go in there and, and, and do you know, create fun experiences again, uh, because I, I think that is the number one driver. Like when I look at the Apple stuff, it's a lifestyle stuff, uh, mostly, right? There were no games, but as a game developer and gamer, I was super impressed because it showed like, look at these experiences and the theater mode, you know, I mentioned this before was nothing new. I mean, meta has its own version, right? Not as polished, right? Presentation is everything and execution, but like I've seen versions of that. I played with versions of that, but Apple just takes it to the next level, right? And you're just like, hey, you can change, you know, who knows how 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 well it works, but you can change the your your actual real world settings to kind of match with your virtual settings. Like, Dude, they're 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 understanding what people want to use this for, and uh, the whole idea with the metaverse again 
you know, if you just take it away, you know, from the VR space, uh, they're misunderstanding what, you know, what's cool about metaverse. And I think it's going to be up to the, you know, the other game developers, experienced game developers to actually make the metaverse, um, to kind of respond to like, you know, is there having these different IPs, is there an interest, a real interest in that, right? So like the closest thing, you know, I'm thinking about this, of course, Ready Player One is the number one reference that I feel like visually like, okay, I kind of get it, right? But like, realistically, it's kind of like walking in Dave and Buster's, right? And you have all these different arcade machines and different experiences that you can play with and you just walk around with your friends. Uh, so I think at the earliest version, it's going to be something like that. It's like, can I walk into a space and then hang out with my friends with these different experiences? And uh, and it's going to be a lot of uh, uh, obstacles because now we have like 10 different metaverses. Do people want that? Do I want it, the Microsoft metaverse versus the, you know, Sony metaverse, right? And, you know, we only like one thing mostly, which is the Smash Brothers on Nintendo, right? Everything, you know, there were so many companies trying to make Smash Brothers, but we always go back to Nintendo because they do it right. Um, I think the same thing is going to happen. Eventually, there's going to be one metaverse or maybe two that people just flock to just like, and it's nothing, it's not a new concept. It's like, I, I buy Blizzard games versus Riot games, right? Because I like Blizzard games or better than Riot games or whatever, right? And and that's gonna happen. And it's, I assure you, it isn't gonna be Facebook. <laughs> that, that makes me wanna, it's gonna be Epic or Roblox or like actual game developers who that understand that experience. That, that they're gonna win, right? Because they're, funny enough, they're not, they're not, I never really hear Roblox, right? I, I, you know, Epic got a round of funding, you know, to coining Metaverse, but they don't really go all out in their monthly newsletter saying, hey, this Metaverse is coming. You know, I know you're waiting for it. They're just building up Fortnite, Unreal Fortnite, uh, Unreal Editor for Fortnite, you know, getting the user generation there, get that Roblox money into their ecosystem. And they're just building it, you know, and, you know, not just walking the walk. And I think they're probably going to get there faster than most people. Um, but I, I think with tech, I, I just have this continued frustration of how game developers are constantly in the backseat of our creation, right? Um, I don't know how you feel about this. A long rant, but like, there's this feeling that we're constantly being ignored, and these problems aren't new that they're trying to solve. Yeah, I mean, you work in uh, as you know, my my experience going from like a startup to you know, a bigger and bigger company. Um, you know, eventually, you know, you lose a lot of creative freedom. Like yeah. you. There's a lot more, you know, business kind of uh, business decision decisions being made. Um, so uh, it's much more. I mean, it's but you know, if you raise money, if you're if you're answering to investors, like you're also you know giving away some of your freedom, right? So, um, yeah, I suppose. I I don't I don't know. If, I guess like maybe there's like an alternate uh, universe, kind of like those uh, 
Marvel slash DC alternate universes where we can like look at like what a world where all the decisions are made game des- by game designers and like what kind of chaos that causes. Um, so it's um, I think like with with Meta you have a somewhat unique I feel situation where Mark has kept so much of his as far as I understand um, kind of control of the company. Yeah, where I think potentially that's causing the situation where it's like an eco chamber where so much of the kind of like direction is kind of being pushed down uh, from top down decision-making and it's like maybe people are not being heard. Um, On the other hand, you know, when you have a situation where you have like kind of like one key decision-maker you're able to make much more drastic changes faster theoretically like for better or worse, like, I don't know if, if Mark wasn't in charge, they would be pivoting so fast to focusing on VR, right? Because they're understanding that VR is the future. Um, well, I'm biased, of course, or AR, XR, whatever. Um, but at least from their perspective, you know, they're slowly seeing, even though Instagram is still, you know, a massive user base, you know, they, like Facebook user base, as far as I understand, kind of fell over time. And, you know, Instagram is, you know, kind of having to uh, fight a big fight now with like TikTok. And, you know, it's all about capturing, I guess, getting your, getting the kids hooked in your product as early as possible. Cause then they're going to, then they're going to grow up and, you know, stay hopefully as a users. So, um, and uh, until, you know, cause that's the issue. Like products basically become less cool over time, especially once like a lot of the older people start using them. So kids kind of flock to new things. And I think I just saw the news that Meta has announced that they're now allowing, like, like officially allowing uh, 10 year olds to use the platform. They're going to have some kind of probably like additional parental like, control systems or whatever. Um, I mean, fact of the matter is you probably already had like millions of like nine year olds playing and still playing um, like Gorilla Tag and stuff and like Rec Room on Quest, right? Uh, but they're, you know, adapting the platform um, and, you know, um, pulling whatever uh, legal rules and such to make sure that it's hopefully a safe, safe environment for 10, 10, year, 10 years and plus. Because like the other concern for uh, XR was like, how is it, how does it impact like the eyes and such? So yeah. I'm assuming we've gotten enough data at this point to know that, Hopefully it's not, you know, making everyone blind. Like, you know, parents in the nineties kept saying, you know, don't sit so close to the TV. And now we're literally strapping the TV to our faces. Um, so, um, I think, you know, I think, uh, for better or worse, um, meta is trying to adapt to the times, you know, and, you know, grow beyond just being kind of like a social media platform. Right. So you got to give them, of course they're still trying to be the social media platform on VR and that's where like, I think I think they're struggling, right? So yeah. but I think the vision the vision kind of makes sense. I think it's just a little bit too early. I think like, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe you don't want to like go inside a shoe store and simulate like having to put on physically a shoe with a shoehorn, but you might want to just be able to like look at a shoe and it like appears on your on your feet and you're like, okay, these do look good on me. Like I'm gonna order them and they're gonna come to my house tomorrow because it's like Amazon or whatever, yeah, or whoever's taking the cut in this instance. Um so brought to I you think, by Apple. Yeah, I think <laughs> once we are in 
a situation where the form factor is so good and uh, there's enough use cases for you to stay in these like devices all day long. Like I don't see like already more and more people are making like friends online. Like they just have like online only friends, like playing Roblox or whatever it is. So conceivably, like you could see the world continues to growing that way, but it's just, you know, just creating a metaverse and declaring it's the metaverse, but then not actually having, I think like good fun experiences to back it up. That's the issue because it's not creating enough of reason for people to like be like, want to go there and actually spend time there. Right. So it's, it's sort of like when we had the mad dash to like for esports like a few years back and then so many games were just like saying, okay, we're building an esport game, but like you're kind of, or like the same with crypto, right? Like people were just like from the beginning, we're saying, okay, we're going to build like a web, like a blockchain game. But the problem is they don't have a good game first made yeah. and you can't like go from like a, you, you're reversing the order of like what needs to be done first. You need to create a good fun experience first it's engaging for people that wants makes them want to stay yeah and i think uh, yeah it's just uh going back to the drawing board of making a fun game this it seems to be like such a simple answer but it's like the hardest part you know making a fun experience that people can buy in uh i i definitely agree like there were a lot of positives too that zuckerberg just spearheading i mean in in a lot of in retrospect preemptively <laughs> <laughs> renaming the whole company after the metaverse and then you know it's all about ai now um uh but you know there was a lot of positive that came out of that you know, a lot of attention obviously but uh you know there's a lot more units now because of it and uh if anything uh laid the foundation for apple to come in and and, and be a competitor Right to kind of like take what's there and and be able to elevate even further and then hopefully there's a back and forth between the two, um, and uh, I I don't think it was wrong saying that it's a five ten year endeavor right before it has massive appeal. Uh, I, the 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 cool thing about the VR set obviously that isn't you know like blockchain or all these other terms or technology that came out of COVID is that it's, it's practical. You put it on, you get it right. I still don't know what blockchain is. <laughs> I have no idea what, what it is. NFT. I, I have no idea who was buying it. Right. I never really met anyone though. I know, I knew a lot of friends that were selling it. Right. And I was like, dude, <laughs> Like it was so, it was so scandalous, man. When they were telling me they were selling NFTs, like, oh, people are buying. It. I was like, I guess. Um, and uh, you know, and when it's funny, it's funny that the flip side, right after COVID, was suddenly AI art being controversial. <laughs> I was like, now, you know, NFT could have solved that problem, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, we're. I'm super thankful for you coming on. You know, I'm always open to kind of get educated in this space. I always have like, I go off of my gut feelings on things. Right. And so in, in terms of like the VR landscape, I'm excited that, you know, we're, we're, we're coming out of this like COVID period and, and into it because I think that space is, is, is above every uh, experience I've had with games. Like it, it like, even graphically, if it doesn't even meet 
you know, standard graphic fidelity that we're used to with AAA, right? Because of the hardware limitation. You put it on, you don't even care as much. You know, you're you're instantly immersed and there's so much more potential. Um, and uh, I think these hardware barriers are, are soon going to be figured out. And, uh, you know, I'm just hoping Apple just pushes us a little further, right? And, and it kind of kind of wake up the meta guys a bit because we need that back and forth. And uh, Sony's kind of doing their own thing. <laughs> the funny thing is Sony's probably doing both of those things right. But, you know, they're all for just PlayStation 5 owners. So, you know, they are in sort of a bubble. Uh, whatever innovation they have, you know, you don't really hear outside of that bubble as much as the Meta or Apple Vision Pro. Um, for Before I kind of shut up and hand over the mic, I do have one last question for the newcomers out there, right? For the people who are going into game development, right? Uh, the funny thing is, even though we're using the same tools, you know, developing for VR, right? Which is more limitation. How, what would you, what advice would you have for those people who are looking into the VR space to kind of um, be their first job, second job, third job, or making the jump from traditional AAA development, mobile development? Like what are the things that usually you look at as being impressive to like, hey, this is, this might be a good route for you instead. Yeah, I mean, there's so much overlap between traditional gaming and uh, virtual gaming. We're using a lot of, I mean, the same engines. Um, practically speaking, it's mostly Unity and Unreal. Uh, actually, I hear it's 80% Unity uh, for VR games nowadays. Um, oh, wow. It's just the I teams are that. smaller. Yeah. yeah, I just heard that number from, uh, maybe take it from a grain of salt from uh, Rick Tello, like the, C the CEO of uh, Unity at uh, one of the uh, uh, Augmented World Expo talks. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I can believe it because there's just uh, so many more kind of like smaller, I think, um, like VR experiences and also the, 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 the biggest... Uh, VR kind of platform is technically a mobile platform. It's the Quest. Um, so, um, you know, what VR makes different is the immersion, the fact that, you know, the player is in the game, interacting with the game, using their head, their hands, now eyes, potentially, if you're on PSVR 2, hopefully future platforms, um, you know, fingers, so like, you know, hands and such. So it's... A very different user experience um so if you're focused on uh player tech like user user interface player movement player interactions with the game controls game feel then vr is a very different um uh kind of uh development experience for you um of course like you could be an ai engineer working on creatures but if they interact with the player in close quarters, then of course, then there's like some considerations of the fact that you're working in virtual reality. Um, but a lot of your skill set and a lot of technology is going to carry over otherwise, right? Like uh, an enemy outside of like how it gets close to you and interacts with you once it's in your like kind of like immediate space is probably going to be very similar in some ways. Um, like a lot of like locomotion animation tech uh, and techniques and um 
you know, cinematics, for example, like there's a challenge of making sure that the player is looking at where you want to look. But outside of that, it's still, you know, if you're, for example, using Unreal, you're just going to be using sequencer and, uh, you know, keying things and making sure things flow well. Um, so, um, you know, another big thing to learn about is like performance. Um, VRs uh, has very high performance uh, requirements unless you're like on PC developing. Um, but, uh, you know, the PC is where you're going to iterate on the most. So if you're like starting out, I think you could probably build some uh, interesting experiences as initial proof of concept uh, to see if that's something that inspires you or potentially like even release something as like early access on Steam first and start building a community. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, VR is, you know, I think it's like... It, I think you got to give Quest the credit. You know, they they have just showcased kind of the latest slate of games that are coming out later this year um, at the uh, the Quest showcase. Um, so we're seeing more like IP licenses, but also like uh, games of like with new IP from independent developers. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things to play for inspiration beyond Half Life Alex. Of course, Half Life Alex kind of set the bar for you know really interactive physicalized kind of environments. And I think that's, that is like a big key part of uh, kind of like next gen uh, VR quality experiences, like being able to interact with the world around you in a uh, uh, natural way. Like um, I heard the term like interaction density, mm-hmm. um, interaction density is much higher in VR versus traditional games because players just kind of expect to be able to touch and interact with everything. Um, so if you have like that eye for wanting to add a lot of, uh, like detail to your environments, like that is kind of like superfluous really to, in some ways to like the core game gameplay loop, just, uh, just adding almost like fun ways for the player to interact and explore just for the sake of that, rather than like the direct, like, you know, maybe combat loop, um, then, uh, uh, VR is probably, a thing that you'll enjoy working on for sure well I, I want to uh this is the part of the podcast where i just shut up hand the mic over to you to kind of you know let you talk directly to listeners how to find you right further discuss things with you or uh you know what the next thing they can pick up that you worked on uh or to look forward to Sure. Uh, yeah. So um, I guess you can reach me on uh, uh, my company email. It's uh, alex.selkin.servius.com. Um, I'm pretty passionate about, um, you know, engineering problems. Like, uh, you know, we use Unreal Engine. I love figuring out how to like push that engine, uh, especially for, you know, making, you know, again, high quality virtual reality experiences. Um and yeah, we're working on this uh, on a game based on the Aliens movies. We're pretty excited about it. We're trying to create really something that feels like next gen uh, VR. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to show more about that. But in the meantime, you know, uh, would love for you all to try one our you know long library of different kinds of virtual reality games spanning across all genres, um, from shooting to racing. You know, we have. Uh, uh, you know, Korea is a big hit, but we actually have a big library of games um, uh, that came out starting from like the PC VR days, like Raw Data, Sprint Vector, uh, Battle Wake. Um, we have a, a Walking Dead uh, TV show licensed game called Walking Dead Onslaught. We also made a PC VR only game uh, based on the Westworld game, uh, Westworld uh, TV show. 
Um, it was a puzzle bobble, which is a puzzle game. Probably remembering, forgetting like at least one. Um, yeah. So I think VR is getting really exciting. Also, like, like I said, the, uh, the quest just show, showcased a um, the, the next state of games and PSVR also had uh, their own showcase. Uh, I'm pretty excited about the, the next games that are coming out just this year and you know next year. Um, so level, you know, the industry is still growing and, you know, the more people are buying games and, you know, talking about them, the, the more it's going to help, you know, the entire industry really. So, and I love playing everything that, um, other fellow devs are creating. It's great for inspiration and entertainment. I mean, that's why I basically got into this industry because I love games. Awesome, man. Don't sleep on VR. Right, is the yeah. main message. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Uh, and it was a pleasure meeting you, talking with you, and and kind of learning from you. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure to kind of have experts like yourselves in that space, gauging your experience, your reactions to to the news. Uh, it, it gives me a better gauge of like what's going on with all my brothers out there. <laughs> so uh, thank you for coming. And see you guys all next week. Thanks, Lisa. Hello, everybody. Brandon here. I want to talk to you today about something very special. We've been on this wild ride together, haven't we? From my early days as a senior employee, feeling a bit lost, all the way to leading multiple studios, transitioning to smaller indie teams and to the mobile industry, and now running my own game studio for the last six years. Throughout this time, you've been here listening and learning along with me, sharing this never-ending journey of discovery. This year, I'm kind of on this quest of meeting serial studio founders, discussing acquisitions, or exploring what it takes to grow a studio to over 100 developers. I've always tried to find an exciting topic to delve into, and every year is a little different. The focus is a little different because that's where I am in my career currently, and I want to be able to share what I'm learning with you guys. So I've always been dedicated to asking the tough questions, bringing you insightful answers from industry leaders and experts. And now I want to share with you how I'm applying these answers to my own journey. This is why I'm excited to announce that for just $1.99 per month, you can now subscribe to our exclusive content series. These bonus episodes will give you a deeper look into my personal experiences and how I'm putting into practice what our esteemed guests are preaching. It's more of a personal side of the journey that I hope will show you that we're all in this together and we're all continuously learning. Whether you're a game developer, studio founder, or just a passionate gamer, there's something in it for everyone. By subscribing, not only will you gain access to this exclusive content, but you'll also be supporting the ongoing production of the regular programming. It helps keep the lights on and ensures that I can continue bringing you top quality content and insight into the world of game development. The links to subscribe are in the description. Your support means the world to me and helps me keep doing what I love, sharing this journey with you. So show some love, hit that subscribe button, and let's continue this adventure together. Thank you all for your continued support. And as always, stay tuned for more exciting content. Until next time, this is Brandon, signing off.